If you were with us last week, we're doing this little uh, summer series, uh, postcards uh, from uh, Journeys of Faith. And uh, we're talking about the fact that some people send postcards when they go away on holiday and uh, sharing uh, their experiences and uh, the things that uh, they got up to. These are some snaps from, uh, from my recent holiday in, uh, in Swanage in, uh, in Dorset. And uh, last week, uh, we opened our first postcard, uh, which was from uh, Jacob, who was camping by the River Jabok and uh, on his way to visit Brother Esau. But he wasn't expecting a wrestling match, and, uh, and we saw uh, Jacob uh, wrestling with the angel of God. Well, this week we've got a, another postcard, and uh, as we turn it over, we see that this week uh, the postcard is from Elijah, and he says, I'm taking a much-needed and somewhat unexpected break in Horeb, trying to get away from it all. The weather has been very changeable. In the Boston Marathon back in 1980, the first woman across the line was a complete unknown. Her name was Rosie. She raised her arms in triumph as the wreath was placed over her head, And the cameras flashed all around her. It seemed such an amazing victory. A runner nobody had ever heard of. Winning such a prestigious race which contained Olympic athletes in the field. However, a shrewd journalist began to ask questions. How come no one had seen Rosie along the 26 mile course? Inevitably, the truth came out. Rosie had not run the race at all. She had jumped in behind in the leading male runners a mile from the finish in order to steal the glory. Now, you must forgive me now if I sound a little bit cynical, but after 30-odd years in experience of a Christian, it would seem to me that there are some Christians who share Rosie's tactics where glory is concerned. I've heard their testimonies at conferences, I've uh, read their books, and their testimonies of our triumph victories of their Christian life, and they win the applause of admiring audiences for their testimonies. But sometimes I wonder if there's something a little bit unreal about their evangelical smile. Like Rosie, they don't seem to be running in the same race as me. It feels sometimes like they've jumped in at the last minute to claim the prize. Real Christianity very often is like a grueling marathon. And uh, the Bible doesn't hide that from us. And this morning as we look at this postcard from the prophet Elijah, we'll see that Elijah is a prophet under pressure. Elijah is a prophet under pressure. Pressure. Why is he under pressure? Well, Jezebel has heard about what's happened with uh, Elijah's battle with the uh, the prophets of Baal, and uh, she's not very happy. And she sends a message. Jezebel sends a messenger to Elijah to say, "May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them." In other words, she sends a messenger saying that she's going to kill 
Elijah. It's interesting, isn't it? Because uh, Elijah, this prophet under pressure, much of his life has been quite triumphant. He could have sent us a postcard from the time when uh, God miraculously sent ravens to feed him during uh, a drought. Or he could have sent us a postcard from uh, his visit to the uh, widow when uh, there was the miracle of the, uh, the jar of oil that never ran out. And uh, it could have been a postcard about the, the miraculous healing of the widow's son. Or it could have been a postcard, of course, from uh, Mount Carmel, where Elijah perhaps had his greatest moment defeating all those prophets of Baal. But we meet Elijah in chapter 19. Hard to believe it's the same man, isn't it, that's, uh, that's taken on these, uh, all these prophets of Baal because uh, Elijah seems to be losing the plot. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life when he came to Bathsheba in Judah. He left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the desert. I don't know about you, but sometimes uh, do things ever get on top of you? Do you ever do you ever feel like uh, you're losing the plot? Uh, Elijah had been through a lot, but he'd, he'd been very he'd been very uh, triumphant in in all that he'd done so far for God. Um, but it seems that the 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 pressure had got to him. I came across this. It's a study carried out by a leading doctor in the effects of combat fatigue, and it says. Uh, this is uh, a list is, is a following of the, of the symptoms of uh, combat fatigue. Previously held beliefs may be suppressed, irrational hysteria, acute anxiety, excessive fatigue and apathy, acute depression, the loss of will to survive. Some of the symptoms observed in combat fatigue sounds a little bit familiar, doesn't it, to where we find uh, Elijah this morning. He came to a broom tree, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the tree and fell asleep. I've had enough. I've had enough. Ever feel like that? That you just can't take any more? That... Uh, that things have, uh, have mounted up and uh, it's the straw that breaks the camel's back. It might not be something great. I mean, it's odd, isn't it, how, how Elijah could go from being able to stand on that mountain uh, in great confidence. We're all surrounded by all those enemies and they're called down fire from heaven and he gets this little message. I mean, let's... Let's be honest, if, 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 if you really wanted to kill somebody, you don't really send them a message to warn them, do you? If Jezebel really wants to kill him, she'd send him a secret assassin, you know, to slip a little bit of cyanide in his, uh, in his wine or something. She wouldn't have sent him a message to forewarn him. And yet, this is the breaking point for Elijah. This is Elijah's breaking point. And he flees into the desert and uh, he's all alone, and he says, I've had enough. I've had enough. And some of you here this morning may know what that feels like. You may know what it feels like. You may, you may have had triumphs in the past, uh, but they may feel like they're a long time ago. And you reach that point where you just feel, 
I've had enough. I, I, I just can't do it. I can't go on any longer. And this is where we meet Elijah, out in the desert, all on his own. He's had enough. And he lies down under a tree. He's a little bit stressed. And sometimes when we are a little bit stressed, uh, we react differently than we would do if we're not stressed. Um, We perhaps uh, get a little bit cross with people and maybe we're not really cross with that person, but we're cross with the situation that we find ourselves in. Just turn around and leave quietly and nobody gets hurt. Uh, sometimes we feel like that, don't we? Well, Elijah is a man under pressure. He's, an, he's a prophet under pressure. And uh, he flees and he runs into the desert and he leaves the servants behind. And uh, he's all alone in the desert and he lies down. But he's also a prophet under provision because this is where God meets Elijah. This is where God meets Elijah. All at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. And he looked round and there by his head was a cake of bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. Notice where the angel leaves the food, right next to his head. Not like those... uh, hospital beds where they put it right at the end of the bed and you can't quite reach it because of the stitches right next to his head he doesn't even have to doesn't even have to move he's uh, he's touched by an angel i heard about a man that went into uh, a restaurant and uh, the waiter brought the first course and uh, as he put the soup down he he just touched him on the head when he brought the main course he 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 put the main course of steak down and just uh, touched him on the shoulder and then when he bought the pudding, uh, laid down the, the ice cream before him, and he, he just touched him on the knee. And you know, the difference between an average restaurant and a really good restaurant, it's those little touches. <laughs> well, Elijah experienced those little touches. He was touched by an angel. It would be easy for, for, for of God to say, come on Elijah, pull your socks up, look at all those wonderful things that I've done in the past for you. How can you possibly uh, give up now? But he doesn't. He meets Elijah where he is and gives him what he needs. Food and rest. And sometimes we need to recognize it when, when people are worn out. Uh, you know, in church we're very good at wearing people out. Uh, you know, yeah, we do need volunteers for this, that, and the other, and there's always lots to do, but we do need to be careful because sometimes we do just wear people out. And sometimes, you know, there might be people here this morning that, that are longing for that angel just to come and, uh, and minister to them. Um, the word that's used in the, in the Hebrew for the angel, it's actually a, a messenger. Um, and we can be that messenger, we can be that angel you know, we can, sometimes that's what we do, isn't it, when people are ill or people are down. Uh, we just turn up with a cake. Uh, and it makes it, it doesn't take away the problems that people are facing, but it, there's something about food, isn't there, and, uh, and drink, uh, that kind of feed our physical bodies. And sometimes that's what we need because we just get exhausted. And the great thing about summer is that it is a time to slow down and just to to take a bit of a a rest. 
and people are going away on holiday and people are relaxing. And here we find Elijah, the angel touch gives him just what he needs, cake and rest. We've got cake this morning after church. Uh, so that's good, isn't it? Then the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him again and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for your journey. What journey is this? Well, the angels planned a little bit of a holiday for Elijah and uh, gives him more food uh, for the journey. So he got up and ate and drank, strengthened by that food. He travels for 40 days and 40 nights. He really has been strengthened, hasn't he? Until he reached the Horeb, the mountain of God. And there he went into a cave and spent the night. So, Elijah, he was a prophet under pressure, but now he's a prophet under provision because God provides and meets him in that moment of pressure and stress and he provides exactly what Elijah needed, rest. And he's also, Elijah is a prophet under providence. And the word of the Lord came to Elijah, what are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? Here, Elijah. And Elijah, Mike, you, you could forgive Elijah saying, Well, you sent this angel and, and he fed me and he gave me this thing and then he and then he took me on this journey. You told me to come here. Uh, but actually, God isn't really saying, What are you doing here, Elijah? He's saying, What are you doing here? In other words, where are you, Elijah? Elijah was at the mountain of Horeb, uh, also known as Mount Sinai. This was the mountain of God's presence. This is where Moses had met with God when he gave him the law. This was a very special place. What are you doing here, Elijah? You're on the mountain of God. This is where I've brought you. And this morning, it may be that God's saying to you, you know, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? What are you doing here in Lum Baptist Church? What are you doing here? Why has God brought you here? What is it that God wants you to do? Sometimes God leads us to places that maybe we wouldn't choose to come to. You might not have been dragged here by an angel enticed by the idea of cake, although cake does tend to entice people. And uh, we use that method as well, but it's an angelic method, so it must be okay. Um, but God has brought us all to this place. We've come, from, we've come from all sorts of different places. We've come on all sorts of different journeys. And he's brought us together. What are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? Why has God brought you to this place? What does he want to do with you? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. Well, he did ask, didn't he? What are you doing here? Um, it also gives, in that question, it gives Elijah the opportunity to speak about how he's feeling, to get it off his chest. This is what I'm doing here, God. I've, I've been zealous for you, and what have you done for me? You know? I've done all these things. I've put my neck on the line, and now my neck really is, is on the line because Jezebel's after me. And, uh, and that's what I'm doing here. I'm running. I'm scared. I'm frightened. I'm the only one left. 
That's how Elijah feels, and he tells God exactly how he feels. We've said it before, but it's worth saying it again. It's okay to tell God exactly how you feel. If you feel like Elijah this morning, if you feel stressed, if you feel tired out, if you feel weary, it's okay to to turn that into a prayer and say say to God, this is how I feel. And it's okay to say to God, you know, what, what are you doing about this? What are you doing about this? It feels like I've been, I'm the only one left. Then the Lord said, go and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. And then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. After the fire came a gentle whisper. I wonder whether sometimes we spend so much time looking for God in the fire and in the earthquake and in the wind that we miss that gentle whisper. Elijah's known God in the fire, hasn't he, in the earthquake? He's seen it on Mount Carmel. He knows all about the wonderful things God has done. But God says... I'm not in the earthquake, I'm not in the fire, I'm not in the wind. There's this just gentle whisper that almost knocks Elijah off his feet. After the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. The thing that drew Elijah out of the cave was the gentle whisper of God's voice speaking to Elijah. I wonder whether some of us are stuck in a cave this morning. And uh, we don't want to come out of the cave. We don't want to come out of the cave because we're frightened of what we might find. Maybe we just need to hear that gentle whisper. Maybe we just need to hear God's voice speaking to us, reassuring us of his presence. In that quietness. The thing about a whisper, like we were saying to the kids earlier, is you've got to be really attentive to hear the whisper. And we live in this world that's constantly, uh, where we're constantly surrounded by noise and activity. And so often God's voice does get drowned out. And sometimes we need to kind of reattune, realign our ears to hear God whispering to us. God speaking to us. It was that whisper that drew Elijah out of the cave. It was a cave of depression, a cave of disillusionment, a cave of flight, a cave. And and sometimes the thing about being in a cave is there's a a security in the darkness, isn't there? Uh, We get used to the darkness. And uh, we get... Comfortable in, in, in the surroundings, even if they're not comfortable surroundings. We, we become accustomed to them and we're fearful of stepping out because it means that we have to leave behind what we've become accustomed to. But God gently draws Elijah out of the cave, whispers. The grass may wither, but the word of the Lord lives forever. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? 
Elijah's heard this question before. And uh, it gives him the same answer. I've been very zealous for the Lord Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down the altars, and put your prophets to the death of the sword, and I am the only one left. And now they are trying to kill me too. Did you not hear me the last time, God? This is, this is the problem. I'm just going to repeat it again and again and again until you do something. And sometimes that's what we're called to do. But in that gentle whisper, the Lord said to him, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazel, king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nemash, king of Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Japhat from Abel-Mahola to succeed you as prophets. Elijah, a prophet under providence. In other words, God hasn't finished with Elijah yet. He's still got work for him to do. And some of you may feel, you know, you may feel that your best days are in the past, that the triumphs are all in the past, and that the future looks bleak. And maybe God wants to whisper to you, I've not finished with you yet. There's still work to be done. There's still a task to be done. If you'll just come out of that cave that you've created or has been created, then you'll hear that whisper and you'll hear that recommissioning. And Elijah is about to hand over the mantle to another prophet. But he's also going to be involved in creating that prophet. Elijah is no longer alone. He's a prophet under provision. So you have permission this morning to admit to the pressure and the stress that you might be feeling. You have permission to take a rest to say no when somebody comes up to you after church and says, can you do this and can you do that? So I've got too much on at the moment. I just need to, I just need to step back. I just need to, to find a place of rest. You have permission. And you know what? We'll give you cake as well. We'll give you cake for the journey. Journey? Yes, because God never finishes with us. There's always a journey that God wants us to take. But to take that journey... We've got to be listening to what God says. We've got to be open to the angel that comes to us.